Hey there, everybody. So happy to be with you. So grateful for our time together, our time dedicated to healing, to expansion, to clarity, to freedom, to joy. How blessed we are to join together for a holy purpose. So grateful and so thankful. Yes. So this is our forgiveness class, part three. And let's jump into a prayer here. So we place our hand on our heart, gratefully and thankfully opening ourselves to true forgiveness. Letting go of the meaning that we've made of things in the past. We partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self for the purpose of remembering our true nature and our true identity is perfect love and perfect wholeness, perfect health and healing. We're calling forth a greater sense of liberation, wellness, and well-being than we've ever experienced before. And we're grateful and thankful to call forth this dynamic healing, allowing it to take place at the level of the mind and to spiral out into every area of our life. We are grateful and thankful to call forth all manner of healing, transformation in our relationships, in our finances, in our physical body, in our careers, we're calling forth a complete and total healing. We're grateful and thankful to give the heavy lifting to the Holy Spirit and to allow and accept the transformation that's happening right now. We join together for this holy purpose. We share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In deep gratitude, We let our healing be in deep gratitude. We know it is done, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Yes. So I'm just going to begin by seeing if anybody has any questions about anything we've covered so far, anything you've been contemplating Uh, regarding forgiveness, I'm going to stay on the topic. So looking to see if there are any questions regarding what we've covered about forgiveness so far in the first couple of classes. Star 2 to raise your hand if you're listening online, and of course you can type in a question. And one question we have, someone wrote in already, says, hi, Jennifer, I've experienced a tremendous amount of loss in my life. I think what I feel deep inside is a lack of security, an emptiness, a lacking, a loss. How does one let these losses go? I have tried forgiveness letters. They will give me a good cry, yet I feel it kind of regurgitates these negative feelings and keeps me stuck in my story. What A Course in Miracles and Masterful Living Practices would help best. Thank you. Well, this is a great question, and I'm I'm sorry that you're feeling this deep sense of uh, loss and lack and emptiness. The spiritual truth is is that there can be no loss. There can be no lack. 
And in spiritual terms, emptiness is often uh, highly desirable, but not from a place of lack. Now, just feeling the answer here for you and for all of us. Sometimes we have a willingness to release our judgment and the meaning we've made of things. We're willing to move on. We're willing to say, okay, let's let the past be the past and the dead bury the dead. I'm ready to move on. I I don't wish to hold this against myself and anyone else anymore. I don't wish to harbor regret or resentment anymore. I'd really like to be free and to move on. And yet, it's pretty common for many people that we still hold the judgments, the meaning that we made of things, the interpretation that we made of things. We haven't given that up. So we've given up uh, desiring to keep energizing it and make others wrong and bad in in an aggressive way. But there's still the underlying thought that this shouldn't have happened or that this happened to me because there's something wrong with me. And so there's a an attachment in the mind, could even say it's in the heart, to the meaning that was made of it, the interpretation. So we can say, yes, I'd like to let go of the past. Yes, I'd like to forgive. Yes, I'd like to move on. But on some level, we could say, there's still a belief that the interpretation I made, the meaning I made, is correct. And so we think we just have to let go of beating ourselves up or we just have to let go of blaming someone else. But still the interpretation continues. And so when that happens, the feeling of loss continues. The feeling of lack continues. The feeling of uh, something bad has happened continues. And there's not that sense of freedom. So this is what I sense is is going on here and why you're still being kept, as you say, stuck in your story. Uh, it's, it's the willingness to completely say, I don't know what anything is for, except it's for my learning, which is my good. So on some level... This is for my good. I'm willing to accept the good in it. And so many of us really resist moving into that place. And one of the things that can get us to that place is the taking of responsibility. So, and and it's that responsibility for sight. And that is really the key to happiness. So this was uh, the subject of the class that I taught yesterday in Living a Course of Miracles about joy and happiness is 
total responsibility. And that is part of our forgiveness process. And I am going to speak about that in our class today. All right, I need to just take a sip of my coconut water here and wet my throat a minute. Mary Jo, you've written in something here, but I don't understand what you're saying, so it's not clear to me. Um, Perhaps you could state it another way. All right, and we have Alexa raising her hand. Uh, I'm going to unmute you. Hey, Alexa. Hi. Can you hear me? Hi. (laughs) Hey, how are you? Oh, Jennifer, you've just um, both the living narrative classes that you've been doing are so um, always timely, and I love that. And um, and I'm, I was, something came up to me, and and you kind of brought it out to questions at the beginning, which was <laughs> different. So I thought I'm feeling this. Let me just ask: um, Is there anything you can talk about or say to, um, as far as kind of almost? What I, I, the only words that come to mind are the in-between time, like kind of where you're not feeling the extreme of these spirals, you know, where, where you're just feeling like they're, you know, it's, you're, you're heavily calling on Holy Spirit, though you do, you know, at all times, but just it's not an extreme situation and it's not one of just complete, um, absolute joy. And I was kind of thinking of, um, I was I loved your talk with um Lisa Natoli and um just kind of how how sometimes you just have to relinquish all of it and then maybe I, I don't know if there's ever been a time that you've experienced a time kind of like almost an in between state of you, you feel the shift the shift shifts are happening but you you I I feel personally just very uncertain of um how to how to kind of live in the trust when it's like I, I am trusting I'm actually feeling okay with it but it still feels so very unknown how do you um yeah you <laughs> exist in that state I don't know if that makes sense yeah well if we think about mastery as being if we think of a, the visual image of a staircase as being the diagram, if you will, of our rise in mastery. It can be really helpful. So you think of a staircase, and uh, you can think of in your life where you have a sense of you've made a leap forward. You've had an aha. It's very insightful. You did something different. You had an aha, and you've made a leap to the next level on the stairs. So you're on the next level of the stairs, and it seems as though the greatest progress happens when we make that leap. But that's not true. The the time where the greatest progress happens in our life is when we're on the plateau part. In that plateau part is where we take the aha, the insight, the leap, whatever it was, and we incorporate it into our life, and it becomes the new status quo, becomes the new plateau. And it's in that phase where we're literally incorporating it into our whole life that we have the greatest gain. 
so people can be um, really uh, focused on, I've got to have another aha, I've got to have another breakthrough, another insight. But it's really when we are incorporating the new way of living and being and thinking and seeing into our life that we're making the greatest um, advancement. So does that time feel like the in-between time to you? Yeah, that was a perfect word. Plateau is exactly – because it it used to feel a little – like um, it was either this or that, you know, it was either extreme this way or extreme that way. And um, uh-huh. I'm currently um, feeling and just every symbol and um, situation that I see and, and even with others that I've noticed lately, um, it's just, it's all, it's, it's interesting that it's in this kind of um, vibrational kind of, yeah, plateau. It's just kind of this kind of uh, flat space of, it's not flat though, it's, there's definitely energy there. It's just that it's, it, it, it is, it's the change it's incorporating and so that was beautiful that you said it that way because that makes so much sense. It's, okay, this is unknown and that's okay and it doesn't have to be drastic. Not that it's not going to be again, <laughs> but take advantage of this time to incorporate it into the practice. So it's just the unknown, you know, something new showing up and it's, um, so foreign, and so it's nice to see the plateau not being um, a, a different, I guess, an old plateau, you know, of what would seem, um, oh, just waiting for something to fall or drop, but now it's like, oh, waiting, not waiting, actually, <laughs> just experiencing, I guess, so, yeah, that yeah, makes Yeah, yeah, so it, it's, it's about... Um, one of the things that really can make a difference, and this it will, can help the the person who wrote the other question about loss, is and and a sense of emptiness, uh, is to have as part of your spiritual practice throughout the day, being awake to what's actually going on, and giving thanks as often as possible, and. So, for instance, you wake up in the morning, you train your mind to uh, invite the higher Holy Spirit self to guide your day, and uh, as it says in A Course in Miracles, to decide for you, to show you the highest and best, most loving choices in every moment, and then give thanks that you remembered to do that. Give thanks that the Holy Spirit, the higher self, will respond to you that you're not alone so it's just like going the extra mile of giving thanks and literally to start to give thanks all day long for many things that we take for granted so for instance some people i know this might seem a little unspiritual or whatever but we are spirits so our whole life is spiritual and it's i think it's helpful to look at it that way some people have really challenging issues with constipation. Well, if you don't have that issue, when you have a bowel movement, you can really just be grateful and thankful for things working well. Uh, You know, sometimes we have aches and pains in the body, and then sometimes we don't. And when we don't, giving thanks 
that we don't. Uh, you know, uh, we can give thanks that we have indoor plumbing. Some people don't have indoor plumbing. So it's really about, like, how can I be grateful all day long? How can I recognize that my life is improving all day long? So, for instance, you know, I used to um, get, uh, let's say, uh, I used to have lots of phone calls um, about things that seemed uh, unimportant or tedious to me and and uh, lots of... Um, telemarketer calls, I hardly ever get any of those now. So, um, well, I guess you wouldn't notice that, so why would you say thanks for it? But <laughs> I'm just thinking of things that are are different in my life now than before. So you can think of things that, um, you know, it could even be that it's summertime. So tonight it's summertime. Uh, my niece and my nephew and I are at my brother's house, and we had a meal that had wonderful fresh vegetables from the garden and uh, giving thanks for that because in the wintertime you don't have that. You know, so it's it's about also being able to recognize, wow, I got all I drove all the way to work today, and I was peaceful the whole way. Even though the traffic was intense, it didn't bother me today. I'm really grateful for that. That's a shift and a change that I notice. Um, you know, or I notice... You know, normally when these things happen, I would go into reaction and I would start self-medicating, but I realize now I didn't do that today, and I'm really grateful. Or I'm really grateful I can notice there's a pull to self-medication, but I don't feel I have to choose it. I feel I have other choices now. I'm really grateful for that. That That is a shift in my awareness, and I'm giving thanks for it. So, like, even being able to ask the question of, uh, uh, what's going on rather than just managing and coping. Uh, there's so many little ways that we can give thanks, and that's one of the practice, spiritual practices that really helped me change my life was really saying, hey, Jennifer, look at you. You're doing really great. These things used to annoy the heck out of you. They just happened an hour ago, and you didn't even notice. But a year ago, you would have been complaining about that all day. But it happened and you didn't even notice it. Not one complaint. That's progress. Mm. So yeah. really giving yourself praise for the progress. Really starting to take stock. It's about paying attention. It's about being in the moment now. So when we're feeling that sense of loss and lack and limitation or boredom on the plateau, we are not in the living, loving moment. Yeah. Is that helpful? No, it's very helpful. I actually noticed one of those moments today, so it, it means a lot. I was on the train and there were lots of young guys playing music really, really loud, and I saw lots of people getting aggravated, and I just kind of actually was listening to <laughs> your homework uh, lesson from yesterday. And, and regardless of that, it, I realized that was part of the lesson. It was, I'm not I'm not really affected by this. This is just my projection, and this is also just, a, um, you know, just a, a beautiful example of a forgiveness lesson for wherever it should be, so... 
Thank you. That was yeah. very helpful. Good. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. That was a great question. All right. Well, our our main topic tonight is in order to understand true forgiveness and to live in uh, a loving, forgiving mode of being, we need to understand the law of cause and effect and perception and projection. So we're going to take some time with this because this is going to really help us with our forgiveness practice. So the law of cause and effect. There's a section on cause and effect in Chapter 2 of A Course in Miracles, and, and that's very helpful. But basically what it says is that our life is done unto us as we believe. Some of this will seem like a repeat, but I find that it bears repeating. And I studied this law of cause and effect for many, many, many years. And I was teaching it for years before I really, really began to understand it. So I know that going over the law of cause and effect and perception and projection again and again is very helpful to us all. So cause and effect is really that there is uh, a cause for everything and every thought we have, every belief we have, has an effect. And cause is in the mind and effect can be in the mind as well and it can also be in the emotional body and in the physical body. So effect can be in the world of form, uh, but it, it can also be in the world of thought and feeling. But everything in the world of form basically is an effect of our thought, everything. So the terrorism we see, the beauty we see, everything that we see is the effect of our thought. So it is done unto us as we believe. Our belief system is a residue, if you will, of previous incarnations and the decisions and interpretations that we made about life in those lifetimes. That's really where our belief systems come from. It's it's what our karma is. And according to our belief systems, we're going to magnetize and attract thoughts that are congruent with our belief system. So if we believe that we're going to be naturally supported and cared for, and this is our firm belief, which actually is the truth, then we're going to experience that, we'll allow ourselves to experience it, and we will manifest experiences that demonstrate that to us according to our belief. If we believe that we are not loved, we're not lovable, that we deserve to be punished, then we are going to attract into our awareness thoughts that are congruent with those beliefs. And by thinking those thoughts, placing our attention in them, which is like shining our light 
into them, then we're going to see them projected on the screen of our life. So our belief system magnetizes into our awareness thoughts that are congruent with it. So if we'd really like to change our life permanently and have real and lasting healing, the only place for us to really focus on is eliminating the beliefs. Because truth is true. So truth is we're all one. Truth is thought creates. Truth is we've already been given everything that we need to lead a beautiful, magnificent, perfect, harmonious life. And, of course, there are many other truth thoughts. Nobody has an individual version of the truth. Truth is true for everyone the same because we're all one. Beliefs are not true. They're different. People have different beliefs, but there's only one truth. Truth is true. And so truth is true for everyone the same. Beliefs <laughs> beliefs are all interpretations. They come and go. They're based on circumstances and situations and things that are temporary or temporal, time-based, form-based. Truth has got no correlation to the world of form, except that the world of form operates in, uh, in accordance with spiritual laws. Spiritual laws are truth. So... When we'd like to have a healing and change our mind and have a new experience, the fastest path for us is to release the beliefs that aren't true and to stand in an awareness of the truth. Now, the simplest way to do that is to call upon the higher Holy Spirit self, call upon the company of heaven, the ancestors, the angels, and all that's holy, and declare what we're interested in. I'm not interested, excuse me, I'm going to start again. I'm only interested in knowing the truth that sets me free. I am willing to surrender all false beliefs. I surrender all false beliefs, known and unknown, felt and not felt, recognized and unrecognized. We don't have to identify one by one what the false beliefs are in order to let them go. It's so much easier than we think it is. The ego, remember, analyzes, but the spirit knows everything, doesn't have to interpret anything. But the ego analyzes so it can interpret things. So the ego will say, well, I have to know what the false beliefs are in order to let them go because, hey, I might not want to let them all go. There are some of those false beliefs I might need because I really believe they're true. So I'm going to hold on to those. That's what the ego thinks. But the spirit knows that residing in the truth is happiness. It's peace, it's harmony, it's freedom, it's joy, it's abundance, it's prosperity. So one of the great beliefs that we can let go of is the thought that we have to figure it out, we have to understand it, we have to analyze it, we have to know how, because we don't. We just have to be willing 
to let what is false go and stand in the truth. But just think about it. There are many times in our life when we're identified with the ego and we have a belief about something. Somebody's bad, somebody's wrong, somebody's good, somebody's right. There's some opinion, some judgment that we are really attached to. We don't want to let it go, even though intuitively we know, we can feel that clinging to that opinion, that judgment, that belief, that condemnation, that attachment is hurting us. There are just times when we want to cling to the belief even though we really, really, really know it's hurting us. So we can let go of all the false beliefs through our willingness. We don't have to analyze. We don't have to look at each one. And a lot of times it's preferable. Now, there are cases when we can let go of it faster if we look at it. So this is why I say when I recognize I'm not happy, there's something going on, I'm feeling upset about something, I can stop and say whatever the root cause of this unhappiness is, I am willing to release it now. Whatever the false belief is, I'm not interested in that anymore. Holy Spirit, take it out of my mind so I never think it again. And if I need to look at it in order to let it go, show it to me, make it plain. And please let everyone else who has this kind of a thought, this kind of a belief, let them have a healing as well so that all minds are healed of this belief. So, in A Course in Miracles, in the cause and effect section in Chapter 2, which is it's, uh, Section 7 in Chapter 2, it says, the miracle worker must have genuine respect for true cause and effect as a necessary condition for the miracle to occur. Both miracles and fear come from thoughts. If you are not free to choose one, you would also not be free to choose the other. So we have free will and we get to choose what we're going to think. Now it seems as though our thoughts are just happening and we're not making any choices about what to think. But if you're willing to really pay attention you will notice that there is a process by which the thought appears in your mind and there's a gap between when that happens and when you decide to choose to think it, which means to choose to place your energy and attention into it. So the thoughts by themselves are nothing and they have no power. The thoughts only seem to have power when we shine the light of our attention into them. Remember that we are light beings and that our thoughts 
that we choose to think are like slides in a projector or film in a projector. We we place our attention on them and then we see them on the screen of our life. But there are thoughts that come into our mind that we immediately reject. Oh, I'm not I'm not interested in that anymore. Not interested in thinking that. And I want to make clear here that there's a big difference between our thoughts and our feelings. Thoughts precipitate feelings. So that means that thoughts come first. And thoughts precipitate feelings means that thoughts generate feelings. They call them into being. They're like the next step. So first we have a belief which magnetizes the thought, which then precipitates the feeling. And if we're not paying attention to our feelings, then it's going to travel into our physical body. And so we have several places along the route of the journey of these beliefs where we can interrupt the pattern and have a healing. So the first place is at the level of the mind where we recognize the thoughts appeared in our mind. We're not interested in it anymore. It's an old way of being. It's an old way of thinking. It does not serve us. And then if we don't interrupt the thought there, we choose to think it, we choose to place our energy and attention in in it, to light it up, we're going to start to see it on the screen of our life. And the next place we're going to see it on the screen is in our emotional body. So we're going to start to feel agitated, irritated, upset, sad, depressed, lonely, whatever the thought's nature is, we're going to feel that feeling according to our past. So remember that the beliefs are a residue from the past. So if we're magnetizing into our awareness thoughts that are congruent with the beliefs from the past, we're just going to keep re-experiencing the past. And that's what A Course in Miracles tells us over and over and over again. All you keep doing is reviewing the past. You're just reviewing it again and again and again and making the same interpretation, the same meaning over and over and over again. But we can refresh ourselves and be renewed by the Spirit if we're willing. But we do have to say we're not interested in the past anymore. So it's not that we're not interested in our feelings. We're always interested in our feelings because our feelings are critical to us recognizing when our thoughts are incorrect. Anytime we feel upset or in any way not peaceful and harmonious, our thoughts are not correct. So we don't ever want to say, I'm not interested in feeling that anymore. Because even if we're not interested in feeling it, which I get, feeling it is helpful to us. Because it alerts us to when our thoughts are off base. That's the divine alarm clock going off. When we feel upset in any way, I call it the divine alarm clock because it's letting us know our thoughts are incorrect. We can correct 
All healing is at the level of the mind. That's what the Course teaches us. And it's really true. And you can prove it again and again. Now, if when you're emotionally upset, you don't address it. You don't start looking for, okay, what is the thought that's causing the upset? If you don't change your mind, if you don't do the healing work when the emotional upset comes, then it's going to travel into your physical body and you'll notice it there. So many people, um, there's a correlation that is easily seen about feeling emotionally upset and then physically upset. So none of that is bad or wrong. It's just the way things work. It's the law of cause and effect working in our life. But the great news is, is we can just work at the level of the mind. And I call that working in the invisible so that we're not pushing density, we're not trying to make things different in form, thinking that if things were different in form, then I would be happy. Because it just doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. It will never work that way. And what I was sharing in the Living a Course of Miracles class yesterday is that when we are thinking that the things of this world will satisfy us or make us happy, we're just delaying true happiness. And that uh, when we are convinced that something, having something will make us happy or not having something will make us happy, like not having uh, pain in my teeth, well, I'll be happy again, or uh, not having that man in my life, I'll be happy again, or having that man in my life, I'll be happy, or, you know, uh, whenever it's something external that's going to make us happy, the illusion is that we have happiness for a moment. Oh, he loves me. I'm happy now. I Yes, I'm so happy now. I remember one time I I had a um uh a date with uh, a man that I was so excited uh like, "Oh, this is great. He's coming to my house for dinner. It's going to be so great." And um I was really looking forward to it. And he came over for dinner, and then after dinner, we had a lovely dinner, and after dinner, he just broke down, and he cried, and he was so miserable and upset uh, about a a different woman in his life. And I was like, oh, this is not what I was hoping for. Hey, my happiness is gone. (laughs) My happiness is so gone now. So, But when our... When we are living in truth, happiness doesn't come and go. It just doesn't. You know, there's pleasures and delights, they come and go, but the happiness is constant. The joy is constant. And we can live with it that way, and I'm really interested in living in it and demonstrating it. And what I know is that I feel more happy more of the time, more peaceful, more of the time. And I'm really, really grateful for that because I lived a very long time with very little peace and very little happiness. So for the ego, the sense of happiness 
only exists when the ego thinks it has what it wants. Like, I actually thought I was happy just because this man was coming to my house for dinner. But the truth was, I was happy because I thought in the future, I will actually have what I want. But there he was. He was at my house for dinner, and but he was crying on the sofa, and it was not a happy time. It was not happy. So, but I was happy when I thought, ah, the future happiness is mine, you see. And that's how the ego always works. The happiness is totally contingent on circumstances, very different than joy. So the law of cause and effect is really, it's done unto us as we believe, and that our thoughts are very powerful, and that we are all the time experiencing our thoughts. We're very little, when we're identified with the ego, very little of our time are we actually experiencing our life. Instead, we're experiencing our view of the past, our view of the future, and we're just interpreting what's happening now through the lens of the past or the future. We're not actually present now. So unforgiveness keeps us locked into the unhappy past and an unhappy future. That's the power of unforgiveness. It completely skips over living in the present moment, and that's where joy is. That's where love is. So understanding the law of cause and effect, that it is our thoughts that prevent us from being happy, and our thoughts of unforgiveness absolutely prevent us from being joyful and happy now. So important to do this forgiveness work. And the law of cause and effect is very related to perception and projection. So when we are thinking thoughts that aren't true, we are literally projecting false beliefs into the world and we're going to interpret everything that happens through that false lens. That's our perception. Perception is not truth. It's interpretation. When we have false beliefs that we're clinging to, we're not actually going to experience the world as it is. We're only going to experience our interpretation. And because our beliefs are false, we're not in the present moment. We're regurgitating the past and having it over and over and over again. We're not experiencing love. We're not experiencing the now moment because that's where love is. Love is only in the now moment. There's nowhere else that we can experience love, only in the now moment. So we can think that we can review experiences of love. We think that we can 
fantasize or even visualize about love in the future, but we can't actually experience it anywhere but now. And many, many people are willing to not experience love in their life in order to cling to the interpretations and the meaning they made of things in the past. And they literally don't experience love at all in their life. And love is such a refresher. Love renews. Love restores. No matter how broken and desperate and craved and craven we might feel, love can restore us completely if we're willing to let it. So any time you're looking at anything and it doesn't make you happy or peaceful, you're not seeing it correctly. And this even applies to extremes like a terrorist event. Now, not that the terrorist event would make you feel happy. Of course not. No, of course not. You'd be, you would have something seriously... dysfunctional happening in your mind if it delighted you or made you happy to see a terrorist event. However, you'd be in some kind of twisted perception about it. However, everything in this world is divinely ordered and organized. There is only God's will in this world. And God's will for us is perfect happiness. Now, our will is God's will. And we can invest our will, which is our power, in any thought that we choose. And it will see, we'll see it become manifest, either as more thoughts or emotions or physical experience, situations, and circumstances of our life. So whatever we're thinking, we're going to see it made manifest on one of these levels. Thought, emotion, physical. Whatever we're thinking, we're going to see it made manifest. We choose what we're going to think. There is that, sometimes it's very hard to notice it, but there is that gap between a thought arriving in our mind and our decision to energize it and place our attention and awareness on it. Of course, Miracles tells us we're far too tolerant of mind wandering and the miscreation that results from it. So this is why in Masterful Living we focus so much attention on becoming mindful and paying attention to what we're thinking so that we're not miscreating anymore. Any place in our life where we're not happy and not fulfilled, we're miscreating. Because it's God's will for us that we would experience perfect happiness. So we have to be somehow thwarting that if we're not experiencing it, because it really is our our natural state and our 
natural way of being. And the more we're willing to take responsibility for our thoughts, the more we can start to see, oh, yeah, I am the one that chooses to make myself unhappy. I am the one that chooses to go into blame and shame. I am the one that can decide otherwise. And I'd like to decide otherwise because I'd like to experience perfect happiness, I'd like to be a beneficial presence in this world. So very often the reason why we struggle to forgive is because we're clinging to a misperception. So I'm wondering if there's anybody who has something that they're really struggling to forgive that would be willing to speak about it and share about it so we can have an example of that in the class and work through it. Anybody have something that they've had uh, held on to for a long time that they feel like, oh, I've been trying to forgive this forever, it doesn't seem to be working, I don't know why, uh, Can that would be willing to talk about it. Start two to raise your hand. Okay, we've got Kristen here. Hey, Kristen. Hi. Um, I actually just had kind of a follow-up question about the cause and effect, if that's okay. Sure. Um, so um, would it be the same thing? I feel like I've been having a lot of feelings of resistance lately to things, like just everything, little things, like, oh, I don't want to go to the grocery store. Oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, I don't I don't want to go to the block party. I don't, you know, just it seems like, so many things. Um, so is, is resistance just another form of upset, or do I need to be, you know, examining what more about the resistance? Well, what the two things you just named ha- have to do with going out and being <laughs> in a public environment, being around a lot yeah. of people, and. I, I know you to be a highly sensitive person. Mm-hmm. And so that may actually be your intuition saying it's better not to go out right now. Okay. That kind of feels like truth to me. Okay. Yeah, that's what I, I just so, didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... um Being able to ask yourself, so what's the resistance about? You know, the temptation of the ego is simply to go, uh, to to make us wrong for the resistance. Right. So if there's if there's any kind of a thought like, oh, Kristen, you really should go to the store. You need to go to the store. Or for God's sakes, just go to the party. You really should go to the party. You should make an appearance. Then you know it's just the ego. There's some uh, maybe intuitive or just some reason why you're not feeling it's time for you to go and do that. And it's the ego that's thinking you should. That should word is is a key. Now, um, 
if the resist if the resistance is to let's say doing your spiritual practice and the ego again there is probably going to be saying you know you, you should go run your errands that's more important you should get the laundry done that's more important you should call your friend her father just died you need to talk with her again the ego is the shooting and the resistance and the reluctance is really about the ego trying to get you to do something else. Is that clear? Yeah. Yeah, I think it just, I think it comes up in different scenarios. So I guess it's, um, you know, sometimes it is about the spiritual, sometimes it is about going out, and I think sometimes it's just about, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to pay the bills or, you know, um, and I think I'm just so aware of it now that it's, I feel like it's happening all the time. But, um, so, yeah, I guess I can try that just kind of trying to ask you in a moment. Yeah. What What is the resistance to? Yeah. I mean, I I get a ton of emails, a ton, and as you might imagine, you know, Living Course of Miracles has almost eight thousand people in it right now there's a bunch of emails from all you know all different kinds of things and reasons and all kinds of things and sometimes i just don't feel like answering emails and am i resisting answering the emails or is it just it's time to walk away from the computer it's time to go outside and do something else shift the energy find something nurturing change the channel There's, so resistance and reluctance can come from all manner of things. So it's about really looking at uh, being aware of what is the thought underneath it, I don't want to do that. Okay. Well, why don't I want to do it? Or why do I need to do it? And just going a little bit deeper. Okay. So... Okay. Um, that sounds. That sounds good. Today, I just was immediately trying to talk myself out of it. Like, just be great. Be grateful you have a car. Drive to the grocery store. You know, I was trying to just shift myself out of it really fast. Yeah. Um, well, another way to shift shift us out of it is to, okay. So let's look at this. I have resistance and reluctance to, let's say, doing my spiritual practice because that's such a common thing. Well, what are the benefits to doing the spiritual practice? And what what would I do instead of doing the spiritual practice? What are the benefits to that? Mm-hmm. And so just really like breaking it down a little bit more. So with going to the store, uh, what are the benefits of going to the store? Well, are, are those important benefits to me? Are they worth it? What would I do if I didn't go to the store? Would, would that bring a, a more um, beneficial result? And also sometimes can be very helpful in terms of resistance and reluctance. There's a lot of people have resistance and reluctance to forgive or to do the forgiveness work, to even look at why am I not forgiving or what do I need to forgive. We just resist doing that work. So sometimes it's um, it, it can be like, well, what would I rather do and what would be the benefits of that? And sometimes it's, is there a benefit that I 
am avoiding for some reason. So, for instance, some people would resist doing forgiveness work uh, because the benefit would be I would be more free, I could move on. If I were more free and I moved on, let's say somebody's in a difficult uh, relationship situation where they haven't forgiven themselves for being in a difficult relationship. Uh, They think, well, I haven't forgiven my ex, but it's really themselves that they haven't forgiven for the things that they did or didn't do or the choices that they made or didn't make. So they're not forgiving themselves. So they're resisting doing the forgiveness work because, A, they don't want to take responsibility. They don't want to think about taking responsibility. And, B, if they were free to move on, well, that could be very challenging. Maybe they are feeling that this, they are bad and wrong and that's why that relationship happened to them. And if they're free to move on and be in another relationship, well, it could just mean that another person's going to come along and show them how bad and wrong they are and they've had enough of that. So they're just going to not forgive and stay stuck because that's the best they can do right now. Totally understand all of these things. So resistance and reluctance can be complex and very different in very different situations. But the main thing is really just to pray to let it go and to be willing to say, I am willing to give the heavy lifting of figuring out how to release the resistance or what the resistance is for. I'm willing to give all that to the Holy Spirit and just have it be revealed to me with clarity. Because remember, it's the ego analyzes and the spirit already knows. So thank you for asking that. I'm sure that was helpful to everyone. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, we've got Lynn raising her hand here. Hey, Lynn. I think you might need to unmute yourself, Lynn. Maybe there's something on the keypad. I see you're on the web call there. Okay, I am not hearing you. I'm going to mute you back out and give you a chance to see if you can figure that out. And I'm going to go to the next person. And then we'll come back to you. And so we have someone in Florida here. Hey there. Hi. I'm here. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? I do. I hear you. <laughs> you can hear me. I've been trying to get through on the web call, and I can't could not unmute myself on the web call, so I called from the home phone to unmute myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> so um, this is Lynn from Florida, and I was actually hey, just calling in um, with the same question that I had that I had had written in about forgiveness of somebody that, like, as a child, I was sexually abused, and I've found myself probably over the last 30 years just always working with forgiveness and and just noticing how um, a lot of 
um, a lot of it shows up in my body, in in the feelings in my body, and my body not being very healthy. I think a lot of it is because I'm having such a hard time letting go. I feel like I've let go of and forgiven the person, but I find it hard to forgive the action and the feeling behind the action and the emotions that still come up um, in my everyday life around that. So I guess just trying to understand how you uh, how you how you let go yeah. of the feeling. Yeah. Find it. Yeah, I think I understand what you're saying, Lynn. And so what it feels like to me is when it's uh, really challenging like this to let something go, especially something where, as you say, you were sexually abused. So um, what happens is, especially if we're uh, young, very young, how old were you? Oh, I was probably about eight years old, nine years old. Yeah. So at that age, you know, you're just beginning to really form your identity. And so something like this can really become uh, mentally attached to your identity and emotionally attached, physically attached to your identity. Uh, It's temporary. It won't last, but it can seem that way. And so when something that intense happens, it... uh, the interpretation of it, the meaning that we make of it, can be something that we become so identified with, we don't really know how to let it go because it seems like it's part of us. Does that make sense? Um, I I think so. I mean, I, I noticed my whole life going through my life, um, making my decisions on those feelings that came up for me as a child and to the point where I remember there was a time when I actually didn't think that it really happened to me. I kept thinking, no, that would never have happened to me. But then I kept reliving it over in my head and then, you know, then it came to a point where I was fantasizing it in my head and feeling wrong about that and then working on letting go of those feelings and forgiving myself and, and like, and then, then like, even, like, today, noticing, like, a lot of um, feeling, having this intuitive feeling inside me that those are, that's why my body is so, um, I want to say, so, so congested and so jammed up, like, it's not able to move, almost like I'm, uh, like, I'm, I'm, I'm needing to move through it and, forgive on a different level. I I feel like I've forgiven the man who did it, but at the same time, I I think I've forgiven myself, but I feel like I can't let go of the feeling that's, that's there with the action. It's like, how do you say, you know, you say, I take the 100% responsibility for some reason, I brought this experience into my life so that I could heal something, and I understand it intellectually that I must have done it and and it was for my own good. And then, yeah, at the same time, I'm like, how could anybody feel like that action is 
is not wrong, is not bad. I guess it's 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 I'm trying to understand how you forgive the action. I mean I feel like yeah. I forgive the person but I don't forgive the action of what happened and how it has molded and shaped me in my life because of and I know that that's all my own processing and learning too and forgiveness but I just yeah the the action forgiving the action what that sounds like to me or feels like to me is forgiving the the meaning that you made of it Um, because anything that's unloving is, it's not correct, you know, it's, it's not loving, it's, it's not the highest and best, it's, um, it's hurtful, and, uh, I mean, we could ascribe all kinds of descriptives to it. But the fact is that to sexually abuse a child is disrespectful, it's unloving, it's hurtful, it's unkind, it's all those things. And it, it, it could, it's, there's no way it could ever be anything but those things. Now, was it, you know, it's it's the, the release comes when we can move into that place of somehow, some way, this is for my good, and I'm going to receive it that way. That's not how it was intended. God meant it for my good. So, and this is one of the most challenging parts of A Course in Miracles is to accept that everything is gently planned by one whose only purpose is our good, which is our own higher self. It's almost impossible to understand. Certainly it's impossible to understand much of the time when it comes to specifics like this. How could my mother's death be planned for my good? How could being molested be planned for my good? How could these things that seem like betrayal be planned for my good? It seems impossible. We have to accept it on faith. So when you say having trouble forgiving the act, I just wonder if maybe... What you're looking for is something that um, can't actually happen. So is it possible to be able to look at something like being molested as a child and to say, okay, I don't readily see how this could be for my good, but I'm willing to accept that at the same time feeling that this was intended to, this was disrespectful to me, this was unloving to me, this was unkind to me, this was hurtful to me. 
and still on a spiritual level somehow some way it's meant for my good well just here just listening to you and hearing you say that the action was unloving and i i knew in my own heart and in my head that the action was unloving but it was so hard to to connect it when it's like okay i i need to forgive this person i need to forgive this whole situation and just let it go and oftentimes i feel like i have but then something will show up in my life and i'll feel like i guess i really didn't forgive that person because it's still there that feeling is still there whether it's um feeling um feeling like i'm not good enough yes. you know i mean i i think a lot of that feeling that i have of not being good enough in in having to show up in a different light not show up in with myself but show up more in my body image you know and i i felt like that's been a big part of my life and just and realizing as I went through my life and and um, meeting different men and going and 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 working, you know, and being in relationships to be sexually um, satisfied and being in and getting into relationships where there was none of that. So I move on to another one, and I just noticed how all my life I've been searching for 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 love and feeling like it came through. It, it had to come through with a bodily connection. And so I, I even live my relationship today, and so I'm. I still see it and feel it in my life, the experience of it, and I don't know if that's evidence that I haven't. I mean, how do you know when you've actually forgiven it? You know, I mean, if I'm still seeing that those same kind of little feelings and and things come up for me and saying, oh, there it is again, does that mean I haven't forgiven it? Or do you just just let it all go and you don't have that feeling anymore? And that means that, okay, now it's it's totally forgiven. It's totally forgiven when the meaning that we made of it, the interpretations that we made of it, we can see, oh, that's what I did then, but I don't feel that way anymore. That's when the real forgiveness is there. So... This is why I'm saying that what it feels like to me is that, as everyone does, you made meaning and interpretations of it. And that because it happened when you were so young, it became a part of who you are, those interpretations, those meaning meanings. It's like if you imagine... Um, in many ways, our life is like a flow of energy, and our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts are like a flow of energy. And if you think of it like a river flowing, and you were to put um, some huge object in the middle of it, then the the flow would accommodate that object. It would move around that object. Um, and over time, it would wear it down, perhaps, and um, break it down. And that's how some of us come to forgiveness, is that we uh, ultimately wear it down and break it down, and we let it go that way. But it, it, it feels to me like there was 
decisions that you made, interpretations you made, meaning you made, that became a, a, a part of your identification of who you think you are. And it's that that keeps coming up. And that's why sometimes it feels like forgiveness is like peeling an onion layer after layer and we cry through each one. And um, But what I'm sensing now that will really help you is to recognize that regardless of the past, regardless of the meaning you made of things, the interpretations, and maybe what was told to you or demonstrated to you or or, or um, what it looked like at the time, and all the reinterpretations, all the re-energizing of the meaning that you made of it, the truth is that you are innocent. You are innocent. And your innocence actually cannot be injured, although it feels like it can, because if we believe it can, then we think it is. So that's back to the law of cause and effect and perception and projection. So the perception is that perhaps something's wrong with you, that this would never have been done to you if, 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 if. And so that's what the ego does is the ego looks for what is wrong with me that this would have been done to me. And I've worked with people who were severely, and I do mean severely, tortured and beaten by their immediate family as children and the, for long periods of time. And the meaning that they made of it was they wouldn't do this to me if I weren't really, really bad. I must be so terrible that they would do this to me because they wouldn't do it to me if I weren't so bad. The ego goes looking for analyzing and justifying. I think one of the meanings that I made made of it for myself was that I think I was asking for it. That's how I feel like I've, I've, yes. I've brought it about. I felt like I was asking for it. And even, like, as a, as a young teenager, when I started to get a little bit older and I used to run into this person and I, I used to feel so ashamed and I'd turn my face the other way, but yet, we you know, I'd go to, like, um, family reunions or, or parties or weddings and I and I loved to dance. And I would get up and dance, but yet in my conscious, my subconscious mind, I'd keep saying, oh, if I dance like this, I'm going to be, like, asking for it you know if I move like this I'm going to be asking for it and I stopped like I I shut down my bodily movement and that's how I feel today I feel like my body is shut off it's like it's not moving the way I want it to it's like I don't know if it's you know if I'm just moving through through the biggest part of my healing I don't know but I feel like I'm like it's it's worse than it's ever been like I'm just like at that point where it's like nothing wants to move anymore and I can't open myself up in my body and I listen remember listening to the class on you know do you want to have the healing in your body be free in your body or do you want to be free in your mind 
And I'm like, I want to be free in my mind so that my body can be free. So I, yeah. I think that that was one of the meanings that I was asking for it. And, you know, and like, even to, to today, like, even things today, I feel like, oh, if something happens, it's like, oh, I must have been asking for that. You know, I must have wanted that. And it's like, and it's funny because in the same same token, it's like, I know that if we look at the Course in Miracles, everything that comes to me is because it's something that I'm asking for. So it's just interesting that I feel like it's, I I kind of intuitively felt like it was something I was asking for, you know. But I mean, why would I ask for something like that? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, that makes perfect sense to me, what you're saying. So the the feeling is that, the the ego is always looking for someone or something to blame. So we'll blame ourselves, we'll blame somebody else. There's always going to be somebody to blame. So when uh, very often for when children are injured, molested, mistreated, abused, they feel that this happened because there's something wrong with them. Like, I must have been asking for it. And, you know, there are so many situations where people are molested and the the thought is even that they recognize, oh, I, I was turned on by that. And I was attracted to them. I was interested in that. I did enjoy the feeling of it, even though it felt bad and wrong and dirty to me. And I I made the meaning of it that I must be a despicable, horrible person because I enjoyed it or I was interested in it or I attracted it to myself. Uh, Even then, it's so important to understand this, that a child has no understanding of sexuality, not really. And they, even if they were asking for it, they don't know what they're asking for. And adults know that children don't know. Adults know that they are manipulating that child, taking advantage of that child, and what they're doing is hurtful, it's unloving, it's unkind, it's disrespectful. They know that because if they didn't know that, they would tell everyone. They would talk about it and they would be free to do it. But they know that this is not loving. This is not kind. This is hurtful. It's disrespectful. It's damaging. And I did. I, I played out that same scenario. I I must have been asking for it as I grew older. I did ask for it, you know, I put myself out there and asked for it, and, you know, then I felt the shame and the guilt behind the thought of being there and asking for it and saying, why am I doing this, and just so many emotions that were so confusing, but I guess my job is to just keep forgiving. Yeah, and but you see that that's also a natural part of the healing process. So, for instance, um, we 
as long as our mind is still holding a meaning that's not true, as long as our mind has not forgiven, we're not free. And so what we do is we keep repeating the past and going through it and cycling over it and over and over again, simply looking for the way to to get to the point, in, oh, now I'm going to release the pattern. So it, it, we're not doing anything wrong by repeating the past. We're just looking for the way out of it. Yeah. And uh, many of us have many experiences in our life where we do something that we know is disrespectful to ourselves. We know it's hurtful to ourselves. I used to do this. I used to um, have occasions when I drank too much and smoked too much, ate too much salt, ate too much sugar. I did things that were disrespectful to my body in that way. And I did them again and again and again. And you, you would have thought I'd never done it before because why would I do it again if I had done it before? You know, and woke up feeling just horrible and in pain and agony and miserable and feeling stupid and wrong and bad and ashamed. Mm. And like I was a total loser. Why am I doing this to myself again? But we keep repeating based on our belief system. So the... The thoughts that that you're sharing about feeling that um, you've brought this on yourself, that underneath that there's some thought that why would you bring it upon yourself? must be for some sort of a healing. That's all I can well, think of. Yes, it is. It is. And and so there's there's a, a you know, it can seem like a very complex web of emotions and thoughts and experiences and memories that are playing out in ways that are hard to fathom. And I've really really learned that the fastest path to our healing is not to try to figure it out. But just to allow, to keep affirming, I am willing to let this go, whatever it takes. I'm willing to have a healing and to share the benefits with everyone. So for many people, just getting to the point where we can no longer judge other people who were involved, no longer blame anyone else, and to say, I don't know what anything is for, except it's for my healing, it's for my learning, it's for my good. I'm claiming my healing, my learning, my good right now. And so many of us have very dense patterns of unworthiness, of insanity, of feeling like we're evil, uh, feeling like there's something wrong with us, that we don't deserve love, that we're unlovable, that we deserve to be hurt and punished. We have, most of us have some kind of a belief like this that we're healing, and we're healing it not just for ourselves, 
but for all humanity. And so that can be part of why it seems so sticky and thick for us. But I know, I know that we can have a total healing. I know it. And I've I've seen many people do it. And the number one thing is to really have that willingness, that great willingness to recognize our innocence and the innocence of everyone and to really give up trying to understand what anything is for and simply to say, I'm claiming it for my good. That's all it can be for. Anything else I need to know, the Spirit will show to me and make it clear. I'm willing to know the truth now. And sometimes we really resist knowing the truth because we think the truth is going to be it just happened to you because you're bad or you're stupid or you asked for it. But none of those things are true. So we're afraid of something that's not true. It's interesting when you talk about the innocence and when we first started um, Masterful Living and we did the contracts and we um, brought an image of what our thoughts were, our contract was, and my image was of a, a young child, angel, praying. And, and you had said it reminds me of innocence. So it was just, it's just like it all comes back to the beginning and, you know, the truth of, you know, working the contract and just coming back to our healing through it all. Yes. And so an affirmation for you might be, I am innocent, I am free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yep, and and no child ever asks to be abused. They just don't. They don't. They don't. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Jennifer. You're welcome, and thank you for your willingness to heal. Thank you. I love everybody in the group, and I've been kind of disconnected a little bit. I've gone through um, the death of my mom the last last couple of months, and then I um, just went through um, surgery, having my breast implants removed because they were causing me so much illness and I think that that was that's that body image that I had thought I needed you know to attract something Mm -hmm. that I didn't even really want and then getting sick with them and having to have them taken out and just so it's just been a lot of change and a lot of healing and just so I've been connected but kind of like in the background well, it sounds to, to me like you're doing a lot of very, very deep healing work. 
I'm working it with the support and the help of everybody in the group because I'm always reading the Facebook pages and just listening to the calls and just praying and asking for guidance. So thank you for hearing me. Yeah. And loving well, thank me. Thank you for sharing. And we're holding you in prayer, Lynn. Thank you, sweetie. Mhm. All right. We have Shelley wrote in, Dear Sweet Jennifer, my question or remark is about self-forgiveness. I've begun to realize that I'm willing to be willing to practice self-forgiveness. I've been saying the Ho'oponopono prayer for others, but mostly for myself, continuously for three days. There is a shift now. Yay! I am willing, I am willing, I am willing. Is there anything else I can do? Uh, yes, there is. And the the thing that comes quickly into my mind, Shelley, is to, and this applies for Lynn and for everyone here, is to notice if you have any thoughts about this is going to be hard or this is going to take a long time uh, because those thoughts are not true. Uh, it the only time it takes to have a healing is the time that it takes to have a realization. And what's required for that realization is simply our willingness. When we have a realization, we can have instantaneous and miraculous healing. And so that is a, a, a great relief. So if you can just notice if you have any thoughts about this is going to take a long time, this is um, this is difficult. Uh, a lot of times we get caught in, I don't know how to do this. So the spirit knows exactly how to do it. It just requires our willingness to accomplish it. So... Your willingness is there. Give up any thought that it's going to be hard or takes a long time. Lawrence writes in, Are not all events neutral? Is not everything harmless? Um, Yes, and people intend harm. And so people intend to hurt. They have intention around that. And people experience, they interpret things as hurtful. Um, the whole uh, teaching around everything works together for our good is yet another way to say that everything is neutral or even better, working together for our good. So when someone is feeling that uh, they deserve to be punished, they deserve to be hurt, or they brought something upon themselves, that they deserved it, uh, that gets mixed up with people who are actually intending harm. And so the illusion is that we can be harmed, because we're pure spirit and what happens in the illusion 
stays in the illusion. So the appearances, we can be harmed in the illusion, but in spirit, we can't be harmed at all. Thank you, Lawrence. Linda writes, I am sensing some feeling of betrayal of the body and wondering if a forgiveness letter to the body might be helpful. Well, that certainly could be a really good exploration. And then remember, too, that um, going back to what just Lawrence said, the body is really neutral. So it's forgiving ourselves because the body can only really show up according to what we're holding in our mind and what our beliefs are. So it's forgiving ourselves for the meaning, the believing the interpretation or making the meaning that we made of things. Forgiving ourselves for causing ourselves harm. Sometimes we do intend to cause ourselves harm and sometimes we don't realize what's going on. We're identified with the ego. We've lost track of things. I think one of the most helpful things in terms of forgiveness is to recognize that everything does work together for our good. Everything is for our learning. And therefore, we can learn. We can learn what's valuable through our experiences of pain and suffering. It's not the only way to learn, and it's not the preferred way to learn. But it is a way to learn. And because we can't actually permanently hurt ourselves, that our true nature is awake, ascended master, free, whole, perfect. It's forgiving ourselves even for thinking that we've hurt ourselves. That was a big one for me. Oftentimes we have to move into a forgiveness for thinking that we wasted our lives. So sometimes people will say, I have to forgive myself for wasting my life. But actually, no, we have to forgive ourselves for thinking we wasted our lives. It's only the judgments that we let go of. That's what true forgiveness is, is letting go of the meaning we've made of things, the interpretation we've made of things. So if you can look at, Linda, what is the meaning you made or the interpretation you made that seems like it's showing up in your body. And if you can't quickly identify that, that's okay. Then just be willing to let go of it, known or unknown, recognized or unrecognized. Because all healings at the level of the mind, our spirit knows everything. That's why I say give the heavy lifting to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit, which is our higher self, already knows exactly how to have a healing with laser-like precision of cutting away that which doesn't serve. So it's our willingness to believe and know that the healing has happened and it's demonstrating in form and to have no doubt about that. That's a very helpful part of this forgiveness process. So, more to come. We have another week here getting deep into this forgiveness work. 
Thank you to everyone who shared. And I'm going to say a prayer and play a song for us. So let's take that breath of love and gratitude here and be so grateful and so thankful that we can have a healing, that we can let go of the past and remember the truth that sets us free. So grateful to claim the truth that is our identity. Our identity is the truth. And so we're claiming what is real. We're willing to know now. We're grateful and thankful to surrender all the meaning that we made of things, all the judgments, all the interpretations. We're having a healing right here and right now on a cellular level. A healing in the physical body, in every sinew, every synapse, every aspect of our being. We are calling forth a miraculous healing. We are willing to let go of the patterns of lack, attack, limitation, and separation, the unforgiveness in every way that it shows up in our physical world, in our physical body, in our emotional body, in our mental body, every single permutation of false belief and unforgiveness, every attachment, every aversion, every craving, we're allowing them all to be healed, resolved, and dissolved permanently back to the root cause so that we never experience them again. We are grateful and thankful to claim our healing and to allow it to be. We are grateful and thankful to say yes to our freedom. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone because we are one with them. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And I'm going to play uh, a song that I really love. And uh, it's by an artist called Martika, M-A-R-T-I-K-A. And the song is called Love, Thy Will Be Done. And uh, the person who wrote the song is Prince. Uh, But the artist who sings it is Martika. And it's Love, Thy Will Be Done. God bless you. I love you. Have a great rest of your week.